I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hi, I'm Madigan, and you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood Feminist, a podcast that explores the world through a personal feminist perspective. Hello, my lovely listeners. Thank you for being so patient with me earlier this week and waiting a few extra days for that episode covering Black country music. I hope that you all enjoyed listening to that episode as much as I enjoyed making it, even though I did the whole damn thing in about 48 hours. It did take me a little bit longer to edit than I wanted because of some of my other jobs, but I worked through some sleepiness. I got it done and I hope that you all really enjoyed it. But before I get into the topics of today's news episode, I do want to give a fair warning because both topics are fairly heavy today. If you don't feel like you're able to listen to this at the moment or at all, I will not take offense to it. Hopefully next week I will have some uplifting news to share with you all on top of everything else. But the first story that I wanted to cover is the murder of Nex Benedict. If your algorithm is anything like mine, you've been seeing photos of Nex Benedict, the 16-year-old non-binary teenager who was attacked and killed earlier in February in Oklahoma. It's been reported that before this incident, Nex and her friends had been bullied. So in retaliation, they decided to pour water on the heads of the girls who had been bullying them in the bathroom. This then led to Nex being assaulted by the three girls. Nex sustained severe head injuries due to being knocked to the ground and having their head repeatedly slammed into the floor. The students involved were only in the bathroom for less than two minutes, according to school officials, and the attack was broken up by other students who were present in the restroom and a staff member who was supervising outside. Nex was found covered in facial bruises near their eyes and had scratches on the back of their head. 
Initially, the school made a statement that they had been unaware of any altercation until they were contacted later by a parent. But on February 20th, they backtracked and admitted to the following. By the account of school officials, all students, including Nex Benedict, were capable of walking to the nurse's office, then to the assistant principal's office after the fight. But there is word, allegedly from a mother of one of Nex's friends, that Nex was unable to walk to the nurse's office without assistance. They were all given health assessments and they each gave statements and contacted their parents. While Nex Benedict was not identified as the student, school officials stated that they had advised one student's parents to take them to get further medical care. The school did not call an ambulance or the police. Instead, they ordered that all of the children be suspended for the next two weeks and left it up to the parents. Some of you may be very upset by this. Why was Nex suspended? And it does seem a little bit insane as Nex was clearly a victim in this. But since Nex and their friends had poured water on the girls and then the girls reacted to it, technically makes it fighting. And most schools now have a zero tolerance policy for fighting, meaning that everyone involved would be punished. A similar thing kind of happened to me when I was in middle school. This boy was teasing me and my friends, so I kicked him in the shin and then he like threw me across the classroom and both of us ended up getting suspended, even though I think everyone in the classroom thought that it was just one-sided. It was really unfair then. This is incredibly unfair, but that is just kind of the rule in all of these schools. It doesn't make it right in every situation, but I, more than a lot of other people, (laughs) understand what happens with this new-ish zero-tolerance policy. I really don't think it's right, especially in this case, but I do, but this is the thing. To me, this wasn't a fight. Even though if you look at a lot of the articles online, they do describe this incident as a fight. I think that that is not the correct word to be using. This was very much an attack, maybe a somewhat provoked attack, but I'm proud of Nex and their friends for trying to get back at their bullies. Just because someone retaliates for the shitty way that you've been treating them doesn't mean that you can cause someone that amount of physical damage or any physical damage for that matter. Nex was raised by their grandmother, Sue Benedict, and had been in her care since she was only two months old. Sue officially adopted Nex in 2022. Sue took Nex to the hospital after picking her up from school for treatment and called the Owasso Police Department around 3.30 p.m. Nex was discharged from the hospital later that day and reportedly went to sleep with a sore head. This drives me insane. I don't have all the information, so I am dying to know if they tested Nex for a concussion But that kind of thing seems super likely due to the type of attack. I'm sure Nex was able to communicate the fact that their head was smashed into the floor. And then they went to bed with a sore head? No, you never, ever, ever let a concussed person sleep. You gotta keep them awake. But Nex did wake up the next morning and began getting ready to go with Grandma to an appointment when they collapsed in the family's living room. An ambulance was called, and Nex stopped breathing by the time the EMTs arrived. They were declared dead at the hospital that evening. On Wednesday, police said that the autopsy determined that Nex did not die as a result of trauma. But there isn't an article I can find that gives me an alternative cause to their death. If not due to the attack, then what was it? How else could a seemingly perfectly healthy 16-year-old child just die? 
The authorities' investigation consisted of searching the restroom where the attack took place, as well as searching the lockers and cell phones of those involved to piece together what happened. Due to privacy laws and the amount of minor children involved, there's little detailed information available to the public about the incident. One thing that really stuck out to me was that none of the mandatory reporters, meaning teachers and staff at the school, reached out to authorities when this level of attack occurred in their care. And the fact that now they're saying that Nex's death had nothing to do with the attack, I just feel like that school is going to be let off the hook and that is just so not fair. The fact that they already had to backtrack on their statement about what happened after the attack already goes to show that I can't really trust everything that this school has to say. It seems like they're covering their own asses quite a bit. And a little bit more on the autopsy. The family of Next Benedict is looking into having a private autopsy done by someone who is not the Oklahoma medical examiner. And for those of you who don't know, a medical examiner is actually appointed by an elected official. I also read online that the Oklahoma Medical Examiner's Office has allegedly had many years of disgrace and has lost accreditation at one point in the past. All over this country, trans and non-binary people live with a shocking level of risk of violence and discrimination. Trans and non-binary people of color are even more targeted. In 2023, at least 32 trans and gender expansive people were killed by violent means. 84% of those were people of color and 50% of those were black transgender women. 36% were killed by a romantic partner. It's also very common for a trans or gender expansive person to be attacked in bathrooms in particular. One of the reasons is that there are so many bathroom bills out there and there seems to be so much importance put on where people use the facilities. But there's also this idea in cis people's minds that trans people will attack them in public restrooms. But statistics show that trans people are far more likely to be harassed in a restroom by a cisgender person than the other way around. In one survey, 70% of respondents had faced discrimination by trying to use a restroom of their gender identity. And next was using the girls' restroom, as Oklahoma law has made it so that their citizens must use the bathroom of the sex that they were assigned at birth. So stupid. In regards to law enforcement's response to these hate crimes, in a 2011 survey, which unfortunately was the most recent I could find on such short notice, 22% said that they had experienced harassment due to bias when reporting their attacks to police. 20% reported a denial of services. But now that we've spoken about the dark and nasty end of Nex's life, let's focus on who they were. They were a sophomore who identified within the two-spirit, trans, and gender non-conforming umbrella. They were a straight-A student, a fan of the game Minecraft, and an animal lover. Their grandmother, Sue, said of their grandchild, Nex did not see themselves as male or female. Nex saw themselves right down the middle. I was still learning about it. Nex was teaching me that. I was so proud of Nex. They were going someplace. They were so free. Many media outlets and people paying attention to this case has connected Nex's death to the appointment of Chaya Rychik from the Library Advisory Board in Oklahoma, who's been accused of stochastic terrorism to the state's Library Media Advisory Committee in January by the state's Secretary of Public Instruction. According to The Independent, allegedly a teacher that Nex greatly admired resigned in 2022 after Rychik targeted them on social media. Rychik, since Nex's death, has repeatedly misgendered them on social media. 
Nicole McCaffey of Freedom, Oklahoma, said in an Instagram post on February 19th, All of this takes place within the context of a legislative session where Oklahoma policymakers are seeking to worsen the sense of isolation, erasure, and targeted harm to LGBTQ students who already face a hostile school environment. That same day, Oklahoma's only non-binary representative, Maureen Turner, held a moment of silence for Nex on the statehouse floor. It was reported that while many members did quiet, some continued on with their conversation. Turner also posted a statement to social media which read, Every day I get more angry that we politicians, no matter what your party affiliation, are aiding in a trans genocide. I think about how after I read Nex's obituary on the House floor, a Democrat came to me and said, Well, we don't know if they actually died because of the beating. But we absolutely do. Nex's death is a direct result of a failed administration in a public school that didn't value the life of a trans student. A failed administration that was empowered by a failed local government who has created open season and more specifically, a trans genocide in Oklahoma. Whew. A GoFundMe has been set up for Nex's family and it has recently surpassed $75,000. And Sue Benedict told The Independent that the money will go to children dealing with the right to be who they feel they are. She also said, Nex had a light in them that was so big. They had so many dreams. I want their light to keep shining for everyone. Oh, God. That light was so big and bright and beautiful, and I want everyone to remember Nex that way. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got like a, I just got teary eyed. I don't really have anything else to say, and now I need to go blow my nose. I'll be right back. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% back at hundreds of stores, and it's all happening this week, May 6th to May 13th. It's the perfect time to shop for everything on your list for spring and summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. I know I'm using this week to stock up on some warmer weather essentials at Ray-Ban and Ulta, and I love that Rakuten even helps me save on travel at sites like Hotels.com. Rakuten really is the best way to shop, and you can save even more by stacking cash back on top of deals. Plus, during Big Give Week, that cash back is bigger than ever. With Rakuten, membership is free, and when you sign up and shop today, you get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of the 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. 
Okay, now we are on to a fairly equally upsetting topic, and I wanted to give an update on what is going on between the Hamas and Israel conflict. The Israeli military has launched air raids on Rafah in southern Gaza after warning of an imminent ground offensive in the border city where an estimated 1.4 million Palestinians have sought shelter since fleeing attacks across the nation, making Rafah the highest populated city in Gaza. The full operation is set to begin in March, but there has already been much devastation in Rafah. Rafah was the last city that had been untouched by Israeli ground troops in Gaza and has served as the main entry point of humanitarian aid through Egypt. Israel believes they can significantly damage Hamas's remaining capabilities with these raids in Rafah, but many other countries have expressed concerns about potential high casualties due to the fact that Rafah is home to over 1 million displaced people. The United States, Israel's largest military supplier, did not approve of plans to invade. Egypt, concerned about a possible refugee crisis in Sinai, increased their security at the border with Gaza. Egypt has sent about 40 tanks and armored personnel carriers to northern Sinai within the past two weeks as part of a series of measures to bolster security around its borders with Gaza. Since the war between Hamas and Israel broke out in October, Egypt constructed a concrete border wall that reaches 6 meters into the ground, or about 19 feet to us stupid Americans, and is topped with barbed wire, something that would bring a tear to the eye of Donald Trump, I'm sure. Satellite images also show that some new construction along the 8-mile border close to Rafah and the extension of the wall to the sea's edge at the northern end is in the works. For those living in Rafah, they are living in fear, as there is no farther south for them to move. The level of panic rose amongst displaced people in Rafah after Yoav Gallant stated, Victory won't be complete unless the military expands to Rafah. Avi Malamed, a former Israeli intelligence official and a negotiator in the first and second Palestine intifadas in the 80s and 2000s, said, that Rafah is the last bastion of Hamas control, and there remains battalions in Rafah which Israel must dismantle to achieve its goal in this war. The Palestinian Foreign Ministry stated that an Israel assault on Rafah would lead to an annihilation of about 1.5 million Palestinians, or an attempt to displace them. People in Rafah are trapped between Israeli tanks and the Egyptian border. I don't think the announcement of an evacuation plan is realistic. Where would people go? A Human Rights Watch researcher stated, This evacuation would be unlawful if it is ordered, in an interview with ABC News. The UN, though, has stated that they would not be involved in the evacuation of Rafah, stating, The UN does not participate in forced, non-voluntary evacuations. There is no plan at this time to facilitate the evacuation of civilians. As of February 22nd, the strikes in Rafah have resulted in at least 94 deaths, half of whom were women and children. But these numbers, I'm sure, are much higher. The Israeli government has stated that the attack was conducted as a diversion in order to rescue two hostages. When the airstrikes began, IDF soldiers reportedly broke into a second-floor apartment where the hostages were being held and fired against the militants guarding them throughout the building. When the airstrikes began, the soldiers reportedly covered the hostages with their bodies. Two men, Fernando Simon Marman and Louis Har, both Israeli-Argentine dual citizens, were successfully rescued. Hamas has since spoken out, stating that the airstrikes were a horrific massacre against defenseless civilians and displaced children, women, and the elderly. 
And while I don't want to believe a word that Hamas has to say, I know this to be true. This was their last safe haven, and now it's being blown to pieces, too. The prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, Karim Khan, has stated that the reports coming from Rafa were cause for deep concern, as they seem to be ignoring laws of armed conflict. I mean, that's just this whole war at this point. It is ugly and devastating. On Wednesday, a member of Israel's war cabinet said that new attempts were underway in hopes to reach a ceasefire deal. But it doesn't seem that Israel will be willing to waver at all until all of the remaining hostages are released. This new wave of displacement of Palestinians will certainly further exacerbate any immeasurable humanitarian crisis. And that is the thing that I am really thinking about right now. The fact that so much of their humanitarian aid is coming in through Egypt and Egypt is blocking them out. And if Rafa is being attacked, they have nowhere to go. They have no way to get the resources that they need. I just don't understand how human beings can witness this amount of loss of life and continue on, continue on to do terrible thing after terrible thing. You all know me well enough that I'm never going to understand war, and I'm certainly never going to understand this war. Release all of the hostages. Stop the fighting. I just, I know it's bigger than that, and I sound so fucking stupid when I say that, but let me live in my little world in my head where somehow people cared more about other people than they cared about land. I don't know. I just feel like it shouldn't be this difficult. Like Taylor Tomlinson said, it's like trying to explain empathy to a tall, white, straight man. Some people just don't understand. All right, that's everything that I have for you all today. Come join me over on Patreon if you want to be a bigger supporter of the show. Go to patreon.com slash angryneighborhoodfeminist or click on the link in the show notes. Also, feel free to reach out to me with any advice that you need, questions you have, or topics that you want me to cover on Mad Gabin with Madigan. I'm hopefully going to be able to record some of that soon. My life is crazy. And also, if you love me and you love this show and you're just full of love in your heart, go over to that little Apple podcast app on your iPhone and give me a five-star review with a quick sentence about why you enjoy the show. I had recently said that the next person to leave me a review was my new best friend, and my most recent review was from a 14-year-old listener, and you, my dear, are my new best friend forever and ever. I love so much that I have little listeners, but I feel terrible because my mouth is so foul. All right, everyone, I love you so much. I hope you have a great weekend. That is all I have for you today. With all that being said, I encourage you to rage on. Bye. Six girls. I'm Cassie Waters. Bridget Nilsson. Mariella Williams. I'm Gloria Smith. I'm Annabelle Crow. I'm Nadia Olson. One book. Light fades, dark ascends, and whisper in shadow. And a demon from hell. Calling Darkness, available wherever you listen to your podcasts.